Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. We so hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, my name is Jen. I've been with Aloha for probably like 4.6 years. Um, Trish and Drew were my kids' youth pastors at The Rock. So when we started, when we heard they were going to do Aloha, it was kind of like, huh, youth pastors? <laughs> we had to feel it out. So um, much to say, it's home to me. Um, when I first started coming here to Aloha, I came with my family, my husband, and my kids. And we just like wanted something smaller and something where we felt more at home and um, it was really special. I got baptized in 2019 and it was just a like a moment in time where I'm like I feel like God is for me. I want to receive him. I got baptized and I remember thinking that day like I, I feel like he's for all of you but maybe not for me. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit just to kind of understand where that thought process came from. And it, um, when I was little, my parents divorced when I was real small. And it was a really difficult time for our family with just parents separating, hard times financially, all those things. And my sister and I were kind of latchkey kids. Mom had to work all day long. And um, if anybody's been to therapy, which I highly promote, um, I kind of learned that I took this wound with me in childhood of, um, you can't fix this thing, um, mom is sad, things are not okay, and the wound was, um, because you can't fix it, you're not enough. You must be unlovable. And that theme kind of persisted through my life and it was like I wasn't aware of it it was kind of lingering in the background but it was um, definitely a, a large part of the way that I functioned in the world with trying to people please as recovering people pleaser um, <laughs> it's um, it was learning to you know understand how those patterns of thoughts and how those patterns of being in the world were affecting me and affecting other people around me. So like I said, when we first started coming here, I came here with my husband and my two kids. And in about right slowly after I got baptized, um, my marriage started falling apart. And my old habits of I need to fix this, I need to do something, put on a whatever it could. I was rallying everybody I could find to pray for us and just really stretching myself thin to the point of um, some mental health issues and grief and despair and um, some really dark places. And at that time, I really did feel like God was not present. I couldn't find him anywhere. I couldn't feel him. There was no sense of like, is, if there's a God, how can I be in this place right now? And that wound was on fire. You're not enough. You're not lovable. 
um, everything just came to the surface, and I finally had to surrender. And surrendering looked like a lot of different things. Um, I just started writing in my journal, I am a child of God, I'm chosen, I'm set apart, I'm loved. I started writing things that I didn't believe, but I just, something made me write them. Um, you are chosen, you are set free, you have the mind of Christ, you were created in his image. All of these things that I had heard, I didn't know it, but I was cementing them into my heart, into my belief system, belief system in combination with therapy and prayer. These prayer warriors in this church have prayed prayers over me. I remember Katie Wilson, who's around here somewhere, she prayed a prayer over me, and she said to me, Jen, I see you. You're coming out of the tomb. There's diamonds. There's everything all around you. And I'm like looking around. What is she talking about? And I didn't know, but I kept the image of that in my mind as I was on this journey of unlearning. It's like magical unlearning of all the things that weren't for me, that the enemy was you know, from a little kid I took with me. And I just have to say that writing these things down, being in my Bible, I am not the most diligent Bible reader, but I love my daily verse in the Bible app. So if you, that's the least you do, do that. Um, but letting people pray over me, learning how to receive, and finally believing that what I believed was for all of you was actually for me too. That love, that picture of me sitting in the lap of Jesus when I couldn't feel him. If I would just picture little Jen. She was five. She had two pigtails coming out the side of her head. And she'd crawl up into Jesus' lap. And she'd be a hot mess with food all over her face and dirty, smelly, and he was just like, I don't care, get in my lap. Get in my lap, I love you. There's nothing you can do that can separate me from your love, nothing. No amount of divorce, pain on your children, no amount of um, things that happened in your childhood, nothing can separate you from my love. And that's how he loves you too. And I hope, the, I wanna share with you the verse that truly made me start thinking differently. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It's the first one that I memorized to the point of, I said it every day and it became like a mantra. And it's, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future. You will come and you will pray to me and I will listen. And when you seek me and seek me with your whole heart, I will be found in you. That scripture has gotten me through. And I have a lot of friends, a lot of women, a lot of people I am very grateful to have been with on this journey. I thank him every day. My dad, we come here, we set up coffee every Sunday, find a way to get involved. Yes, mini church at my house, you know, just ways of um, receiving and ways of giving back, it's for all of us. And he loves you all so, so much. So thank you for letting me share my testimony.
Thank you, Jen. Thank you so much. We've become good friends. Oops, except for now. See how good friends we are? Just kidding. That's all right. I drop stuff all the time. We all drop stuff. We're a family. Right? In a family, someone drops something, no one goes, oh, you're so dumb. You don't do that, do you? You say, oh, you okay? You okay, Jen? Hey, make you guys comfortable. So it's com- are you comfortable outside? What a good day in San Diego, right? This is beautiful. We love it here. This is like such a gift. Such a gift. Um, I see, I see Jen. God's transformed her life. I see many of you who've given your life to Jesus, been baptized in the family. That's, praise God for that. Amen. Praise God for that. I also seen some just transformed families. When I look around, we have a lot of families. They're asking to open more classrooms. There's like 50 kids last week. And like 20 of them, because you guys, they're all having babies. Our vision of a church that rests and slows down was like, okay, well, that's what happens. When you're intimate with each other, there's children. When you're intimate with God, we have fruit, right? There's an argument. Have you been intimate? Well, look at the kids. You're intimate with God? There's fruit, and there's transformed lives, and joy, and peace, and his presence. So that's what we... uh, we're all about God here. We're all about slowing down and rest. Um, today is a big day because five years, five years is a big deal for a church plant. There's lots of different ways that churches plant. I'm in a few church planting networks assessing this and that, but the way we started is we didn't even want to start a church. As some of you mentioned, Trish and I were like two middle-aged retired youth pastors pretty exhausted from ministry with four kids. We're like, what do we do? I, we took some time off, went through some counseling and some rest, some going back home to Hawaii where I'm from. And the Lord kept stirring in our hearts for something new. God kept saying, new wine, new wineskins. So I went to Costco looking for some wine. I'll take some of this kind of wine. <laughs> Joke but not joking. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we, we put some jobs out there and I didn't know peace. So we started a Bible study in our living room in Claremont. And soon that Bible study is filled with the young, these young people, Michael and Ali coming, Joel Darsha coming. And it was so much fire and hunger for God's word and community and to go out and reach their neighbors. So from that little small Bible study, and ministry, uh, we started to do ministry, not marketing. Just did ministry. Ministry in San Diego, and it started to grow. And the Lord kept saying, new wine, something new, something fresh, something new. And then after, long story short, um, we're just a bunch of amateurs. I never did this before. I didn't want to do this. A bunch of rookies. I looked at these amateurs, and the Lord gave me a picture. He said, Drew, who built the ark? amateurs, and it was filled with God's presence, and we tell the story today. Who built the Titanic? Professionals. <laughs> it was filled with pride, and we can kind of watch the movie, right? 
So I was like, you know, we're a bunch of amateurs. The root word of amateur is what? Amour. Is that right? I don't speak French. French fries. Amour means love. Everything we do is in love. Aloha means love. Astasia, she knows it means like 5,000 things. But at the root of aloha is love. It's two words, right? Aloha, face to face, and ha is the breath. The idea is that you are existing with each other in relationships. So we're huge on relationships with God because he transformed your life. And you encourage you to be in relationships with people, slowing down, eating together. So the way Aloha Church started in a living room around good food and good conversation about what is church? What could a church look like that rests and that does ministry and that just brings people into the presence of God? That is still what we're doing today. As we've grown larger, this is like larger for us, we're always growing smaller, growing larger and smaller at the same time. So please, you know, you can dive into some of our, our classes to show you the, the hospitality and what that means to grow large and small. What is church? Church is, not, church is not really mentioned in the Bible. I'll say that much. Come to the class, you'll find out. You're like, what? So it's the word ecclesia. So we were ecclesia, a gathering of people, a gathering of people called out for a higher purpose, to love God and love others. Ecclesia in the living rooms, Ecclesia here. Church is a family. That's Jesus' idea of church. Not a building, a location, a time, and a place. It's people. Look around. Look at all the people. These are God's family. And in the last five years we've been here, you know, not many of you were here for that first year, but because we live in PEB in San Diego, um, it's a very transient community which is why I can preach the same sermons every year. That's kidding. <laughs> they don't know. It's like youth ministry, right? The next group, all right, today we're talking about. <laughs> but uh, that's not true. Ecclesia, that's what, that's what we are. So let me pray before we uh, dive in today to the word. Um, oh, I got this in the, I just did some Bible research. The number five in the Bible is pretty big. It's mentioned 345 times in the Bible. Number five is grace and favor. It's a symbolic of grace and favor. And if you do the multiplication of five, it's 25. I'm not a, I'm not a mathlete. Um, but it's grace upon grace upon favor upon favor. And this is the verse. It's John 1, 16. Do you not have to turn there? From, for from his fullness, another word for fullness is abundance. Our vision is life to the fullest. We have all received grace upon grace. Amen. And the story was out of when Jesus, when there's thousands of people and disciples came to Jesus and be like, how are we going to feed them? And Jesus said, you feed them. They're like, but we got to go to the store. I don't have any cash. He's like, you feed them. And there was a prophetic word given to our staff like a year and a half ago when we really felt like, like finances were low. We were trying to bring on staff. And the prophetic word is, you just keep putting your hand in the basket and God's going to multiply, and you're going to watch, and you're going to be blessed. And so we did, and anxiety lifted from me, fear lifted from me, because in reality, there is, there is like that peace, but it's, and God has continued to abundantly provide for more than we ask for. Anytime there's a ministry, vision, or a word, we step out in faith, and God like provides after we take like 
sometimes the third step. We're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so God is faithful. He wants to provide for your life. He's a good God. He's not angry at you. He loves you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your provision for five years. Lord, we pray for many more years. We pray that there are some people meeting in homes right now praying, asking, what could church be like? And giving them a heart for people in their community. We pray for more churches to be planted, new churches bring in salvations and new families. They're high in relationships. And Lord, emotional relationships, emotional like apologetics is what the world needs as we're in a faith crisis, as so many people are walking away from what has become this hijacked version of church in place, building, location. So Lord, we pray that you would be in this place. Your presence would continue here over the school. We continue to celebrate the little things in our lives and the big things in our lives for more babies, for marriages to be restored, for children, wayward sons to come back home. And Lord, change us as we seek your face. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into, I have a short, short word today because we have so much goodies. We have so much goodies. Here's your, uh, your little bulletin. There's a whole lot of things on here. Check it out. Little descriptions of some really neat events and resources and opportunities for you to jump in. Highly recommended. And then on the back, God gave me three words for the, this, where we're going, where we're continuing to go. The f- three words, but they're like two words. I don't know what that's called. Three two-word words. Gospel-centric, spirit-filled, missional church. We're a gospel-centric. I'm explaining that today. Probably only tackled the first one. Spirit-filled. This is the why of the gospel. So we fill with the Holy Spirit. If we're not filled with the Holy Spirit, we're just putting on a meeting. Anybody can do that. And then missional. Harvest is plentiful. Workers are a few. There's a lost and hurting and broken and disillusioned world out there. And God invites us into his mission, the great co-mission, to be on mission with him. So here we go. Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed, say ashamed, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is Paul speaking. Paul, the apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament from a revelation from God. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I was like, why would Paul be ashamed of the gospel? This is Paul. Like, he was kind of like third degree black belt guy, right? He's tough. He was a hammer. Why would Paul be, ash- why would Paul be ashamed of the gospel? You know why? If you read, Paul pretty much only taught the gospel. Paul preached the gospel over and over and over again. He might have been tempted to maybe, like, let's do something else. But Paul was convinced in his heart people need the gospel. Non-believers need the gospel, and believers need the gospel to grow up in the gospel. We'll get there. Because, Paul said, it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the power, say power, not the principles, not the framework, not the recipe, not the formula, but the gospel is the power, say power. There you go. The power 
of, that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I won't go into righteousness right now. That's in our, our class. But the word gospel is a loaded term, correct? Like when I say the word gospel, if you've grown up in church, you have formed a theology in your mind of what gospel is. If you haven't grown up in church, you may hear, preach the gospel. So in your mind, you might think the gospel, in short, is good news. But here is what most people think the gospel is. It's what I grew up thinking the gospel is. The gospel is the sermon you give to non-believers that you're a sinner. But then Jesus died for your sins so you could have forgiveness of sins and you get a ticket to heaven. Usually... They say, preach the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel. We usually think the gospel is preached to non-believers. That they're sinners. That's the bad news. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died for your sins to forgive your sins so you can go to heaven. How many think that's true? That is true. That is true. And that is awesome. Right, Stacia? Praise God for that message. Is true and beautiful. But hmm, if you only think that that is the full gospel, you've only heard of one third of the gospel. That's not the full gospel. Paul preached, he's not ashamed of the gospel. He preached the gospel to the Jews and the Gentiles, to everybody in to raise people up in the gospel. So we believe in living a full life. We talk about full brain, both brain, full life. We are gospel-centric. We're going to be moving into a full gospel. If you've only heard of one-third of the gospel, your faith and foundation will be only, you'll be only to stand on one-third of the gospel. And you won't have a full faith. <laughs> you won't have receive the full grace in your life. You won't, be, you won't grow up in the fullness of all that God has for you. Amen? Amen? Okay. And we're going to discover the full gospel. Why? Because there is the triune work of Jesus. We'll explain that. It brings us the triune grace that falls in our life. And it's a fullness that we want to step into to be a full gospel, full life church. All about the gospel. That I'm not ashamed to preach the gospel. Amen? So here's a second Bible verse. That Paul continued to speak the gospel. Right here in your notes. Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel. So if Paul's speaking to believers, right? Because he's going to remind them of the gospel. So he was speaking to believers who already heard the gospel, who are already saved. He's going to remind them of the gospel so they can grow up in the gospel. Of the gospel I preached to you, which I received, in which you 
stand, that's presently, right? By which you are being saved, that's the present future. You're being saved in the gospel. You're saved by the gospel. You're being saved in the gospel. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So a couple things to note here. It's possible to believe the gospel in vain. That's what he says. Unless you believed in vain. Well, how do you believe the gospel in vain? Mm. Paul, if you look, says, when Jesus died, rose, and then ascended to heaven, it didn't take long for people to preach another gospel, other gospels. There's no other gospels, by the way. There's one gospel revealed to, right? Man was tampering with the gospel. Men were tampering with the gospel. And it became what Paul said, what we kind of this thing I've been realizing is called man's gospel. Man's gospel is all about who? Man. Man's gospel is preached. It's all about man's sins being forgiven, man going to heaven, and what God can do for man. Who's that about? Man. Man's gospel leads you to focus on yourself, what you can get from God, and what God can do for you. That's man's gospel. Make sense? Many of us, me included, maybe have been raised from man's gospel. If you heard man's gospel, you will have believed the myth that the Christian life is all about who? You. If you've been raised to think the Christian life is all about you and what God can do for you, Where does that lead? Incredible narcissism and selfishness. And we believe there is an incredible faith, a gospel crisis in the Western world. And the result is many, many people, facts, are walking away from churches, are walking away from faith. Because it's exhausting when it's all about you. Man's gospel will teach you that you're saved and then your sanctification is on you, on how disciplined you are to do all these things so you can sin less and be better and be more moral and achieve and climb this ladder. That leads to self-righteousness because there are those who, in their efforts are pride in themselves and their own work and then tell other people how to do that. And to a lot of people, that is exhausting, amen? And people are walking away. So the goal is not trying to get people to walk back into this, uh, the church setting, is to fill you guys up with the full gospel, amen? The truth that the gospel is not about us, it's about God. It's about God wanting to live inside of you. And fill you up, spirit-filled. Amen? Man. And that rivers of living waters would fill you up and flow out of you. For what? To the world. 
for others. Man, that's good. You guys tracking? This is convicting to me. Years of professional ministry, teaching lots of youth, and I'm like, did I speak man's gospel? Was I giving classes and handles of how to then? Man, a little bit of conviction there. But praise God. Illumination by God, right? It's like showing you something that's there when you read it, and Lord, speak to me. God revealed the Holy Spirit's job is to bring to mind all that Jesus taught us. Amen? So I might just be trying to articulate this and figure it out, and I'm limited in my vocabulary, as you know. But there's a better teacher than I here today. His name is the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we're praying beforehand and before we do messages that the Holy Spirit would illuminate your mind and let start clicking in your brain. Like right now, you're like, man's God, what's wrong with my sins being forgiven and me going to heaven? That's good, right? Yes, that is amazing, but that's partial gospel, okay? How'd I do, Stacia? 10 out of 10. No dad jokes, that's why. Okay, so gospel-centered. The gospel is in three parts. So we're going to look at this. Number one, oh, we have there, we can fill this blank. The gospel is the power for salvation for our past, present, and future. So the gospel is the power of salvation, past, we're saved, present, being saved, and future. Ultimately, one day we will be glorified when Jesus comes back to take his bride to heaven, right? So that's the gospel. So three things. Jesus, work as Messiah. Amen? Many of us are familiar with Jesus' work on the cross as Messiah, which brings us peace. This is like how most of us are introduced to salvation. This initializes or initiates our salvation. Jesus as Messiah. Many people know what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. So we can have our sins forgiven, and it brings us peace. And that's a good thing. We were spiritually dead. We put our faith in what Jesus did on the cross, and we're immediately justified. Amen? It's a legal term. Justified, never sinned, declared righteous, justified, going from death to life. 100% completely saved. Amen? Amen. One third. Ephesians says this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the, by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Many of you have peace with God, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility. Then second, Jesus' work as high priest brings us power. Jesus' work as the high priest brings us power. So once Jesus died, rose again, was on earth, he did what? He ascended into heaven as our high priest, took his own blood on the mercy seat and secured us. He secured the authority to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
He was waiting to do this. The Holy Spirit was waiting to come and live inside of us. The Holy Spirit couldn't come and live inside of us because we had sin. The Lamb of God removed, took away the sin of the world. He cleansed the temple with his blood so then he could what? Fill you with his Holy Spirit. It wasn't enough that God was like, oh man, Jesus came and dwelt with us. He was near to us. God just doesn't want to be near to us. He wants to live inside of us. Amen. It's the only God that does that. Lives inside of us. In him is our new identity. Learn about that in the class. More than anything, Paul talks about our new identity is in him. He calls us believers a dozen times. He calls us disciples a handful of times. But he says our identity is in him. Our life is his life. Amen? To fill us with the power. So the second work of the gospel, and not another work, an extracurricular work. It's not when you jump through hoops, get a Bible degree. The Holy Spirit filled the people in the upper room 50 days. Penta, 50 Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus, they're new believers. He filled them up with the power. Many Christians have peace, but no power. I'm good with God, at peace with God, I'm good, but there's no power. And they walk around stuck, stuck in habits, stuck in sin, stuck, stuck in, in, in ways of thinking, believing they're still sinners. Full gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Hebrews 9 says this. So Christ has now become the high priest. That's what it says. Over all good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world, with his own blood. He was the better blood, right? Lambs and goats and bulls. In the Old Testament, that's how they had got forgiveness of sin, sacrificing animals. So people think Jesus came just to forgive of sins. Well, they had forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament by sacrificing animals. They had to keep doing it. Okay. Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. Read it for yourself. Jesus took away all effects of sin in our life. We're going to have to go deeper in this, and we will. With his perfect blood, his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, that's what it says. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. Amen? That's some good stuff. Praise the Lord. Wow. Our hope is that you have a broader understanding of the gospel. Broader understanding, broader foundation, bigger faith, bigger Jesus, more security, stronger identity. Amen? Is that what you want? That's what I want. I'm hungry for this. Three, Jesus' work as returning king. He's coming back one day. You guys know that? He's coming back for his bride. Many of us think if Jesus came here today, we would, be, would we be nervous if God came in our presence? Many of us think, oh my goodness. That's a different mindset. Hmm. You're in Christ. If he lives in you and he's in our presence, man, 
like the, like the prodigal father, remember those, those boys didn't want anything to do with the dad. They're scared. We should be scared of God. He loves us. He lives inside of you. His spirit, that's God's spirit inside of you. Eternal Holy Spirit inside of you, the power. He's coming back for his pure bride. Jesus' work as returning king, judge, or king, brings us purity. Say purity. Purity. This is our future and final salvation. Complete theological term, glorification. So Messiah is justification. We'll go to Bible college right now. High priest is for our sanctification. It's a process. Jesus as returning king is our glorification. Being fully saved, right? You're fully saved. It's a process, the sanctification process. First John, dear friends, now we are children of God and what he will be has not yet been known. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as all he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Focusing on when Jesus is returning purifies our lives. Many Christians are made peace with God. Some don't have power. And some aren't walking in purity. We're only standing on a sliver of the gospel, many people. We want to go gospel-centric as we turn this five years, right? Okay. The Jesus work as Messiah saves our, our, our spirit, spirit, spiritually dead. Jesus work as high priest saves our soul, mind, soul, emotions, body, will. Jesus' work, coming king, saves our body, spirit, soul, body. That's how you're made up fully, full life in Jesus. Amen? Amen. You guys in? Yeah, this is good. Let's eat. Now let's keep, all right, let's keep going to Bible class. If we only preach Jesus as Messiah, what's going to happen? We'll lack power and purity. If we only preach Jesus, power, holy fire. Come on, power, power, power. We might get, tend to get caught up with who has the power, who doesn't have the power, and there's this elitism in church and the classes all about the power. That's not, that's not us, right? But there are many here who walk in some power. You ever realize, how can that person walk in a little bit more power than I do? Well, because they probably have more power than you do because they've received and asked for the Holy Spirit power in their life. And there's a difference. It overflows. You know who they are, right? You're like, that's awesome. I want some of that. You know how? Ask. Ask. It's for you. It's the promise of the Father. Another word for Holy Spirit, 
or the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. And Jesus asks for it. How many guys, Jesus asks for something, you're going to get it, right? You got to ask. But then we also got to speak about Jesus coming back. He's coming back. It's an urgency, right? Great illustration from our boy Peter Lewis says, like uh, many Christians are like, it's like a basketball game. There's no, without shot clock. I love this. You're like, shot clock and basketball? Yeah, off, as soon as you pass half court, you're on offense. You got like 24 seconds to shoot the ball. Make it happen. You have to score and play the game. No shot clock. You're up. You just start passing the ball around, right? You start passing the ball around. You're playing not to lose. Just passing around, wasting time. A lot of Christians are just passing the ball around. Playing not to lose. I'm good. We're winning. I'm good. There's no urgency. Amen? Missional church. There's a world that's dying. You don't have to look far. You probably look in your car. I don't know. In your school, your work, your gym, wherever you go. People are dying and lost and hungry and broken. Let's give them the gospel, amen? And keep reminding us in the gospel. We're saved by the gospel. We're raised in the gospel. You can grow up in Christ. Don't just grow old at church, okay? Grow up in the Lord, amen? And he's coming back. Woo! Right, why am I even, no, that's, that's good. That's enough. That's on fire. You're like visiting. You're like, this guy, okay. This is where we're headed. I don't know how very, Lord willing, a year, a couple more years. But please, you're invited to join us. And as I learn this and articulate this, we also have resources to help you dive further and deeper. Come to a, one of the life classes. We're going to be starting Aloha lunches once a month. Like if you're new, there's an infertable. We're going to have over here, meet over here. It's like, hey, meet a few new people. We want to get to know you. Sort of like maybe what, where do you live? We can connect you with some mini churches. Maybe which life class might be best for you. We want to help you grow in Jesus. We don't pretend where we're at here at Aloha Church. Like we don't pretend that we're walking off. No. You're not walking in the power? That's okay. God can meet you where you're at. If you never received the gospel and you're like, I'm not a believer, God's working where you're at, right? If you've been in ministry and you had power and you're like, you, you pray and people get healed, wow, thank you. We, we need that too, you know? <laughs> Come to prayer house. We need some people rolling like that, whirling with some power. Not the weird power, like the, that weird stuff, you know what I mean? Like push you over. That's not, that's a different kind of power. That's a tricep power. You know what I mean? <laughs> I want the tricep power. I want the triune power. Hey, hey. The jokes. All right. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for five years. Wow. Wow, Lord. Abundantly more we could ever imagine. Lives transformed, Lord. Help us transform the city. So many people here in San Diego and the world are lost and broken, disillusioned, walking away. Lord, we pray that you would convict like, those preaching man's gospel. Lord, maybe they're unaware. Maybe it's been handed down to them and they're preaching or they're, they're speaking what 
traditions have told them by default. Lord, we don't want to do church by default. We want to be, do church by design. How you designed us. That your life would be our life. And we can walk in freedom and purity. That it is possible to overcome sin and habits that we've walked in with for years because of the way we think about ourselves. I pray that people would see themselves how you see us. Lord, you never call people sinners. <laughs> in him. So Lord, thank you so much for your work on the cross as Messiah. Thank you so much as your work as high priest, securing us the Holy Spirit. We pray for more Holy Spirit to fall and fill us. And then, Lord, we meditate that you are coming back, that life is short, you're coming back one day. Purify us, that we'll be presented as a purified bride as you come back, the bridegroom for his bride. We love you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of grace in our life. May we receive grace. May our faith be larger. May our faith be on you, not in our, of ourselves. And Lord, bless this conversation, the church, the school, and all churches in San Diego. May they be filled with the gospel. Many lives change. Amen. Aloha. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha.